This is an Emmaus Church podcast. For more information about Emmaus Church, please visit EmmausDenver.com. Good morning. Good morning. Let's start with some prayer. Father, thank you um, that you have come down from heaven. Lord, thank you that you have revealed your glory in your son. Lord, I pray as we approach this passage this morning that you would humble us, that you would help us see that we need to understand the light that has come into the world and we need your spirit to do that. We need our eyes open, Lord, to grasp what Jesus is saying to us this morning even. So Lord, I pray that your spirit would work, um, that your word would be an encouragement and that we would uh, walk away here knowing more about who you are and what you're doing in our lives and in this world. In your name I pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna be in John uh, chapter six, what we just read for the morning. Uh, I have a handful of verses I may reference uh, at other places in the New Testament, um, and I will have those on the screen. Uh, but if you're just in John chapter six, you're gonna kind of be where we're at uh, most of the time this morning. I wanted to start with something that Jesus said in Matthew 11, Matthew 11:28. 11, he says, come to me all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now I think a handful of us can probably sympathize with the feeling that we come to Jesus, we go to him, and we don't have rest. We, 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 or maybe put it a different way, how many of us have been involved in serving the kingdom, caring for our children, volunteering on a Sunday, trying to stick to my Bible reading plan, whatever it is, pick one of those things. And the last thing that it feels is restful. Who's felt a little bit exhausted? coming to Jesus, right? I got hands going up, right? Maybe it's just me, it's not just me. But, that, but, but it, you read that and you say, yeah, that sounds nice, but how come that's not what I feel? How come that's not my experience when I come to Jesus? What's up with that? And I think that that gets you a little bit into the mindset of the crowd in John 6. Because they had just experienced, they, they come out and they're following after Jesus. So much so that the disciples are like, Jesus, there are so many people here, how are we gonna feed these guys? And he's like, don't worry, I got this. So he feeds them miraculously. He feeds the whole crowd that's coming to Jesus for rest. He feeds, feeds the whole crowd. And they're so excited about who Jesus is and what he's doing. It says they want to make him king by force. And Jesus like dips out. We don't really know. We don't really know how 
he kind of disappeared, but he like escaped. This is what's happening leading up to the story. And so the, 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 the next day comes and the crowd is like, man, I wanna seek after Jesus. Like what, we just got fed yesterday. His teaching, he speaks with authority, which is very different than some of the teachers that we're used to hearing from. And so they're like, well, we didn't really see him leave. We only saw the disciples leave on a boat because they're, they're confused. They're looking for Jesus and they don't know this, but Jesus decided to catch up with the disciples later, just walking across the lake. That's how Jesus caught up with the disciples. So earlier, so he, the disciples leave, Jesus goes to catch up with the disciples, just walking on the water. And the disciples are amazed at this, this teacher. They're amazed at who Jesus is and what he's doing. But the crowds are there seeking after Jesus. And they're like, well, where did he go? How do I, how do I, how do I find him? How do I seek after him and find rest? And that's sort of the mindset of the crowds because they're seeking after Jesus. And then well, starting in verse 22, John chapter six, he says, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. He's talking about the, the, the miraculous feeding from the day before. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? They're confused. They're, 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 you know, I'm, and I was thinking about this, I think I have a picture of the Sea of Galilee. I don't know where that is on the, on the slides, but they're, they have to actually like, it's not like they can just Uber around the corner to where they think Jesus is, you know? There isn't just like this big ferry and these crowds can hop on. It was, th this is a lot of work. They're, they're going after Jesus. They're following Jesus. They were fed by Jesus. They're listening to his teachings. His disciples disappear. The next day they're like, well, where's he at? And so they, so they go, they go all the way across this, this, this is called the Sea of Galilee. It's like a, a, a big lake. And that, that's quite a journey. I, like that's a lot of work that goes into that. That wasn't just an easy task for them to do. And there just happened to be some boats there. So they make their way all the way across. They're confused. They're wondering why Jesus wasn't where they were before. They didn't see him even get to the other side. And they show up probably a little confused, probably not restful, but exhausted. And they ask Jesus, hey, how did you get over here? Like, like I'm, I'm, we've been pursuing you. What's up with this? And before I go into Jesus's response, I want to remind us of that feeling that we're pursuing Jesus and we're going after him and we don't feel rest. We feel a little bit exhausted. We feel spent. We don't feel like it's comfortable. And I think what Jesus is going to say, Jesus is going to encourage us to say, maybe, maybe you're putting in all this effort and something is off with you. Maybe. And I was thinking about um, when Ben and I were trying to calibrate the um, 
We're, we're basically, we're, we got a new grinder and for the coffee. And so we're like, okay, we'll just show up and we won't do this on a Sunday morning. We'll just make sure the coffee is just right. Ben used to work in coffee, so he's very particular about it. And I was at another coffee shop where a guy was like, okay, he gave me like a bag of what, what the ground should feel like. It's like, it needs to feel this way or it won't grind, it won't brew properly. And he's like, well, you can't just do it this. You have to do filtered water. And you have to do filtered water at the right temperature because you have an old brewer, the, all these things. So he gives us like all these like, so Ben and I are like, all right, Ben's from coffee. I just got like, I just got the, all the lessons from like the master brewer in, in, uh, in Denver. And I'm like, I'm ready. Let's do this. We'll just, we'll try some coffee. We spent like hours with different pots of coffee and we're like, what is wrong with this coffee? It doesn't taste right, it's not good. We put, we put all this effort in to get like this delicious single origin coffee that we were like all excited about. And I don't know what Ben was doing, but we're like weighing the coffee randomly. We didn't know this the whole time. The scale on the grinder was way off. So we're putting in like 50% more coffee than we're, we're like fine tuning every little thing, thinking like, what is wrong with this coffee? But the scale was off. The, the, it wasn't calibrated. And I think if it, you can sort of know maybe where I'm going with this, the crowd is putting in all of this effort to seek after Jesus, to go to him for rest and peace. And something is off. And I think the same thing happens with us. It is true. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. He meant it when he said, I will give you rest. Amen. I will give you peace. And I think we pursue it with all this effort sometimes because we're like that grinder where it's just the calibration is so far off that we need Jesus to gently correct us to care for us, to consider us and say, maybe you need something recalibrated. Maybe it's not about the effort you're putting in, it's about something else. And I think that's where he goes with the crowd. He, the, the first thing he says, I, I wanna help you, I wanna calibrate your motives. Because we can put in a lot of effort for, for all kinds of different things. And, the, and I think in this situation, the crowd put in a lot of effort, more than I probably would, to get to physically get to Jesus. And they're like, how did you even get here? And he starts by, by calibrating their motives. Look at verse 26. This is how he responds in John chapter six. Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly. He's like, I... If, if John could bold, italicize, underlined in all caps in his original language, he'd probably do that. Jesus is saying, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Amen. On him, God the Father has set his seal. Jesus is, a lot has happened in the book of John, we're in chapter six. Jesus is saying, I came 
to reveal the Father so that you would know your creator. I came to restore the relationship that's been broken. And, and, and I'm the one that God has set his seal. I'm the one, he's saying that I'm the one that is approved by God. I'm the one who God loves. I'm the one who's capable. And I'm the one who can actually bring you into the very presence of God. Sure, I can make bread, but that isn't why you should be seeking after me. That isn't why you should be putting an effort to come after me. He's like, I want to recalibrate your motives and say, I'm here so that you can have fellowship with God himself. This is the wonder and glory and purpose that Jesus wants us to be fixed on. Wants us to think we go to him and we plead with him because he's the one that brings us to God himself. Amen. And I wanted to kind of camp on this, this, this point a minute because I think this is really important. And I think this is why Jesus starts with this in the narrative. You know, it's almost like you read it and you're like, whoa, Jesus, like they're legitimately confused. They didn't know you just walked across the water and got over here, but he cares for the crowd. He knows why they're pursuing him and he wants to go right off the bat and say, you should be pursuing me because I'm the one who connects you to God himself. Paul picks up on this in Philippians chapter three. Verses 12. This is where Paul is putting forth effort. He says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. He's saying, I haven't, I haven't arrived. I have faults. I'm still working at it. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What is he talking about? What has he not made his own? He goes on, he says, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I put all of my efforts towards the prize of the upward call of God himself Amen. in Christ Jesus because that's who I go to for life in the very presence of God. And then I think it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. In verse 15, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. <laughs> and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. <laughs> You're like, ow, Paul, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Another verse where Paul brings us up is Romans 5. We're talking about recalibrating our motives. Romans 5 verses 1 and 2 says, therefore... Since we have been justified by faith, since, since Christ has been a sacrifice, he's going through the book of Romans talking about how we have salvation. And he says, since we have been declared righteous because we've trusted in, we've gone to Jesus who is the bread of life, we have peace with God. That's, that's what we have. We have a relationship now with our creator through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Yes. 
What is this grace? Well, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what we rejoice in. We rejoice in the reality that Jesus, when we go to him, when we come to him, he is saying, what is your motive to come to me? He's saying, come to me because I'm the one that brings you to God himself. First Corinthians, last one here, first Corinthians 10, verse 31. I think this is important because it's easy for us, it's easy for me, I'll say this for myself. It's easy for me to think that I go to Jesus so that I can have more of an experience of God when I sing this morning or when I do my Bible study or when I take time aside to pray. And I think those, those are actually ways in which we receive more of the grace of God. Those are ways in which we, we get more, a more clear picture of who Jesus is so that we can understand God himself. But he's saying, don't just, Jesus isn't just there to bring us to God in our, in our special uh, Bible moments. He is, for sure. And that's something that's encouraging and, and builds that rhythm. But he's saying, you should come to me in every aspect of your life so that you can have a more deep experience of God himself. He is, is, when we are at work, laboring, we should be working, considering the Lord. And Jesus is capable to bring us into his presence even while we do that. When we're cleaning up uh, breakfast that our toddler threw all over the place, We, we should be considering the Lord and his grace for us because even in that moment, Jesus is working to bring us closer to him. When we sip on perfectly made pour over coffee <laughs> that, that was articulately ground and, and God, it's the God of all goodness is the one that gives us flavors and gives us taste and gives us an enjoyment of those things. Like that tastes good because it comes from God who is good. He's the definition of all those things. And that's why Paul says in Corinthians, he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all with your mind set in the glory, the majesty, and the beauty of God. That's our motive. That's what Jesus is for. And he he cares for us, and he knows we put a lot of effort into things. But not very often, speaking for myself, is that effort geared towards the glory and majesty of God. You say, that's what I am here to help you with. I'm here to help you with with the pursuit of the glory and the majesty of your creator. Let's go back to John. I think when um, we begin to sort of grapple with that, that that's, That should be our motive. Almost like our next thing in our mind is like, okay, I buy that. That's what Jesus is doing. What do I do? Tell me what to do. Which is basically what the crowd says. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So what do we do? And Jesus cares for them. He loves them. 
And he wants to not just calibrate our motives. They're often a little misdirected. He wants to calibrate our ability. Because I think when we ask, what do we do? We're saying, I am capable. And guess what Jesus wants us to understand? We are not capable. Often our motives are a little overblown. It's our ability. Our view of ourselves and what we're able to do is a little overblown. And so Jesus tells us what to do. Verse 29, he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Amen. What do you do? You trust me, is what Jesus is saying. <laughs> you believe, you have faith, you have trust that I am capable in every situation to bring you in the presence of God and to give you a taste of his glory. You believe that I am able to give you rest. You believe that because of what I'm doing, you now have a right standing with God. You believe that uh, no matter what is happening in your life, I am ultimately in control over every little detail because I love you and I care for you and I want you to, to know the Father that I came to reveal. Jesus is trying to recalibrate our, our view of ourselves by saying, look at me. I'm the one you need to believe is capable of doing these things. Okay, Jesus, well, if you're able to do these things, prove it to me. Show me you're able to do that, which is basically what the crowd says. And Jesus is saying, I don't, I don't want to just calibrate your motives. I don't want to just calibrate your ability. I want to calibrate your memory. <laughs> Look at verse 30. So they said to him, then what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? It's like, this is like the first time we've had a conversation, Jesus. You haven't, you haven't healed the sick, made the blind see, fed us all the day before miraculously. We forgot all that stuff. Why don't you just prove to me that you're capable of doing these things? And they have a suggestion too, verse 31. They says, hey, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Like, I know how you can prove it to me so that I trust you. You can do what I want. <laughs> you can do what I desire. And Jesus loves them and he, doesn't, he wants them to remember he wants them to remember that what, who he is and what he's doing so that they trust in him. He, he, he desires, this crowd is coming to him for all the wrong reasons, thinking all the wrong things. And Jesus is there graciously saying, come to me. I wanna help you. I wanna help you have the right motives. I wanna help you remember what I'm doing. And he responds in verse 32 and goes right back to the main issue. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father. He gives you the true bread from heaven.
for the bread of God, the sustaining power of God, the thing that nourishes you is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Amen. Which is what Jesus has been pointing to himself the whole time. And they say to him, oh, give us this bread always. They're forgetting already what Jesus has been saying about himself the whole time because their, their minds are so fixed on, on something else. And Jesus is, is trying to bring them back and say, it's me. It's, it's all about me. Amen. And he said to them, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's saying, look at me. Look at what I've already done for you. Look at who I am. Look at how much I care for you. Remember what I've done. I am the one that brings you into the presence of the Father. If you're putting in all this effort and you're not remembering what God has done, that can be exhausting. If Jesus is saying, trust me, trust me to do this, trust me to help you, and you don't remember what he has done and who he is, that's gonna be difficult. But he, he's revealed himself to us and here we are, further along than this crowd and we have so much more of who God is and what he's done. I, you know, I've had conversations with a bunch of you and, and you can point back to times in your life when you saw God working. When you said, you know what? He was faithful. At the time, I had no idea what was going on. But I can look back and see that I could trust the Lord. And he's saying, if, if you're gonna trust me, if you're gonna to go to me and put all of your hope in what I'm doing and who I am to bring you into the glory and presence of God, even today, remember what I've already done. Remember how I've been faithful in your life. Remember what I've done on the cross. Remember how much I love you. He wants to recalibrate our memory so that we have more weight and more trust in Jesus himself. From there, he goes on to calibrate our view of God. To calibrate our view of God. A theologian once said that idolatry, idolatry, which is what's condemned in scripture, worshiping false gods, idolatry is any thought about God that isn't true because then we've imagined a God that doesn't exist, which is super convicting. <laughs> Anything you think about God that isn't true about God means you're thinking of a God that does not exist. And so Jesus knows that our, our, our thoughts and, and how we view our creator veers and, and we become unstable and he wants to recalibrate our view of God and he makes some really bold statements. In verse 36, I said to you that you have seen me 
and yet do not believe. And yet you do not believe. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. These are huge statements. And he's gonna expand on it, but he's saying, let me, let me give you a picture of what I'm capable of. Everyone that the Father gives me will come to me, no exceptions. Every single person given to me by the Father comes to me. And simultaneously, anyone who comes to me, I will never turn them away. Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I will never turn you away. I'll never say no. I'll never say you're not worthy. I'll never say it's too many times. I'll never say I don't love you. If you come to me, I will never turn you away. I'm on your side. But he goes on to say, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but will raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Amen. Saying, I want you to know the God you believe in is 100% capable. I want you to know that the, the God you put your trust in, I am doing his will I will rescue everyone the Father gives to me. And at the, at the end of days, not a single one of them will be lost at all. Amen. This is how competent our God is. He's making these grandiose statements to say that no matter what happens, no matter how messy it looks, no matter how bad things may seem around me, I 100% will rescue every single person that the Father has given me, Amen. without exception. That's the God that you worship. And he reminds us, at the same time, that he cares for those who come to him. Anyone who comes to him, he will not turn away. So Jesus has made some, some pretty jarring, probably, statements for the crowd. <laughs> you know, they're going after some food. They're putting all this effort in to follow Jesus. And Jesus has tried to sort of recalibrate how they think about the world, how they think about him, how they think about themselves, so that they can actually find true rest and true peace. And he talks about their motives. He talks about their ability. He talks about remembering what he's done. Sort of confronts each one of these things. He talks about their view of God and how capable he is. He's made all these grand statements about who he is. He's really made like a big deal about himself. 
And I think deep down, because of sin, when God makes a big deal about who he is and what he's doing, sometimes it annoys us. Because we like to get our little piece of the pie. There's a little bit, a little piece of us that often wants to trust in what I'm doing and who I am. And we don't want it to be 100% totally of God. And so the crowd responds with poor attitude. (laughs) Because Jesus made some really big statements about who he is and the God that they worship. Look at what it says in verse 41. So the Jews grumbled. They grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? How is he making these big, bold statements about himself? And Jesus answers them by reminding them of what God is doing. He actually is gonna quote a verse from Isaiah 54, which if you ever want just some like encouraging flowery language from the Old Testament, Isaiah 54 is is a good passage for that. Talking about God is wedding himself to us. He's uniting himself to us because he cares for his people talking about what what God is doing to restore the fortunes of his people and and he's looking forward to this, this new kingdom reality. He's talking about all of these things that God is doing for his people. And so Jesus answered this grumbling because he, he cares for these people. He wants them to have their efforts rewarded with rest and with peace and with more of who God is. And when, when we grumble and we complain about whatever situation we're in, Jesus is, is, is graciously, is, is very kindly reminding us of what God is doing so that we would give thanks. Amen. He says in verse 43, he answered them, he said, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So about how capable God is he goes, I, I will raise him up on the last day. This, this is true. This is what I'm gonna do. It's written in the prophets. And he quotes from Isaiah 54 and says, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. He's saying, God is actively working, like Isaiah 54 says, to bring good into the world. God is actively working to reveal himself to you. God is actively working to give you peace and joy and unite himself to you and restore that relationship. You might be grumbling about the way it's happening or about the particular circumstance you're in, or about something that Jesus has said. But he's like, let me remind you of what you can actually be thankful for. That even the prophets that you would claim to hold as he talks to the Jews are talking about the good things and the wonderful things that God is doing in this world. So you have a chance to give thanks for what God is doing.
Jesus is gracious, he's kind. He says, my heart is gentle and lowly. And he sees a crowd putting in all this effort. They're trying to make perfect pots of coffee when their scales are way off. <laughs> and he's saying, I'm making God known by revealing his will for you because I care, because I want you to be able to come to me and have true rest. I want you to realize that no matter what you're doing, no matter what situation you're in, Jesus is saying, I am capable of bringing you into the presence of God. I am capable of reminding you of the good that was broken at the fall that I have now restored through my life, death, and resurrection. I want you to remember how God has worked in your life. I want you to trust in a God that's totally capable of doing everything that he promised. I want you to know that if, if you're weary and you're heavy laden, you come to me, I'm never gonna turn you away. I want everything that satisfies you, that you put all your efforts into, that, that as you go after me, I want all those things to be on the, the right track. I want them to be calibrated so at the end of the day, you could come to me and I could give you rest because you're coming to me for the right things. And he kind of ends this section with this truly, truly in verse 47. I say to you, Whoever believes, whoever trusts in me, whoever put their hope in what I'm doing and not what you're doing, whoever believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. Amen. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, the man that you brought up, and guess what? They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. This is what you should desire so that the one may eat of it and not die. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Amen. Jesus is saying everything, everything about who I am I give to you because I care, because I'm capable, because I love you, because I want you to remember what I've been doing. I think if you consider those things, if that's the effort you put in, doesn't, the rest of this doesn't go so well for the crowd and stuff, but I'm speaking to you. If you calibrate your efforts towards Christ with the, with the words from Christ, he will give you rest. Amen. You will have peace. You can have joy. This is the, the beauty of Jesus showing up, revealing God to us and saying, this is who I am. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Yes, Lord. Let's pray.
Father, thank you. Thank you that you're kind enough to correct us. Lord, it's your spirit, though, that convicts us of sin, convicts us of righteousness, and, and gives us discernment. Even as we consider how incapable we are, we're incapable of grasping that without your help. We need your help to come to you. Lord, I thank you that you have provided that help in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of your son. I thank you that he has given us so much about who he is so that we can learn about you and be drawn in, into your presence, Lord. So I pray that you would do that for us today. I pray that you would do that for us as we eat lunch today. I pray that you would do that for us as we go to work on Monday, as we struggle tonight, Lord. I pray that you would remind us that you are always capable to bring us into your presence. In your name I pray.